Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. Today is part two of episode 169. I released part one yesterday. Part one, if you haven't listened to it yet, is the awards, the Bikes for Death awards. We announced those, so you can go check that out. On today's episode, we are meeting the team. We're taking a look at the staff that is behind the scenes at Bikes for Death. Over the last couple months, we've added a couple people to the team. And so today we're gonna be first talking with Ariel Marlowe, who is helping with events and community building. Then we're talking with Mackenzie Barney, who helps on the media and content creation side of the business. And lastly, we talked to Ben Cranell, who's been the editor for Bikes for Death for many years now. So that's what we have for you today. We did ads yesterday, we did Patreon yesterday, we did a bunch of housekeeping yesterday, so today we're gonna skip all of that and get right to my chats with the Bikes for Death team. So without further ado, let's get right into it. This meeting is being recorded. Sorry, Alfie was whining because he wanted to get in the room. What kind of dog is Alfie? Assuming it's uh, a dog and not like a little child or something. Dog? A black dog? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds real like nice. mix or something. <laughs> awesome. Well, you want to knock this out? You ready? You got any questions? You scared? You nervous? How are you feeling? Uh, no, I'm feeling fine. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell uh, if you were... I like you're, that you're... email. I was like, oh, it's today? And I was like, Okay. we'll try to make it easy on you i think we decided it was today this feels right we're both here we might as well do it yeah uh all right let's do it ariel marlowe first off man welcome to the bikes for death team officially stoked to have you man yeah it's gonna be a fucking party to be officially joining the team yeah it's crazy i was actually thinking about it like right before we hopped on and you and I have been like, we set up a call to chat about how we might be able to collaborate and work together a little bit over a year ago. Was that like October of? Yeah, it would have been October because we did the event in, uh, what was it, November? We did the uh, the camp out. Yeah, the takeover. Uh, the, yeah, the takeover at Mulberry Gap and I think in November. And so we had chatted yeah, the month prior, like out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> It was out of the blue for you, but it'd been on my radar for a little while. Yeah. And so just to like, you know, bring everybody up to speed, because if people are paying attention, they probably already seen you kind of associated with Bikes for Death. Uh, You've been to several of our events and, you know, we've been trying to find ways that we can collaborate and work together and build community together. And you also had a job with Cycle East and then... Cyclist announced they were closing, and I took that opportunity to say, "Hey, Ariel, we could use somebody to help run these events, like on a more regular and kind of official basis." And so, you know, sad for Cyclist, but yay for Bikes or Death, maybe. Still sad, yeah, definitely sad for Cyclist, but um, it's cool that we will still get to do stuff together with Bikes or Death. Yeah. 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 It's bittersweet, but I'm going to lead into the sweetness for sure. And yeah, man, I'm, I am super excited to have you officially working with Bikes for Death in a, in a greater capacity. And, um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of what your qualifications are, your own personal passions and how those kind of align. 
But um, as a way to get to know you a little bit better and introduce you to the audience more officially, let's start with an easy one, man. How did how did you get into bikes? How did I get into bikes? Um, well, like like most people, I guess I, I biked as a kid. Uh, and I remember, and I just thought about this. I remember one of my first big bike memories is wanting a new bike or something and having to work for my dad's friend to get the bike. Uh, so I like, did basically yard work in my dad's friend's house. Uh, and that allowed me to get basically like buy my first bike. Um, but then I remember, I think it was around high school. I got a, my bike stolen. And so I did a bike for several years, uh, after that. Um, but when I moved to Texas for, to go to grad school, uh, my mom gave me her bike because I uh, parking permits on campus are expensive. Uh, and so I basically commuted, I began like commuting, um, every day and I broke that bike in three months because <laughs> I like to bunny hop off curbs. <laughs> uh, and so I ended up buying a bike and, um, it was actually, I bought a single speed bike and that's kind of what like started really. I began like commuting all the time and then I moved to Austin and started doing some trail riding, uh, probably like during the pandemic. Cause that was one of the few things we could do was, was like ride bikes by yourself or be outside. Uh, and then, yeah, I just slowly bikes just started to become everyday important. Yeah. So, uh, I think one interesting story that I know about you is, is tell us, well, let me just tee it up. What was your first bike camping trip? Let's see. My first bike camping trip was one I led for Cycle East with the Austin Gravel Collective. Uh, we biked out to Bastrop State Park, right? Yeah, we biked out to Bastrop State Park with the with a decent sized group, and I was one of the leaders on it. And that was yeah. what is it? I guess that was like twenty twenty two, like January or February or something like that. Yeah, I think that really speaks to a couple of things. One, how quickly you've kind of immersed yourself in the cycling community and not only immersed yourself, but really kind of shown yourself to be a leader uh, from their very first bike camping trip. You were one of the people leading it. And um, you certainly came on my radar as somebody who is intentionally building community and, and trying to be a leader in this community. And um, you certainly got my attention. And one other note on bikes before we get into how you'll be working with Bikes for Death is let's talk about um, your recent accomplishments in cyclocross uh, <laughs> because this is this is a pretty big deal, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was a fun season. My third season, and I'd say probably my fullest season, I was very fortunate that my job at least let me organize my own schedule. And so I basically built our fall schedule around the cyclocross season. Um, and so it was like every other weekend I was either leading a trip or racing. So I'd say I'm a little happy that the season's over, but I had a lot of fun this year. And what did you place? So at States, I got second place in the Cat 5 and third place right in single speed uh and then in the in the age race it's like age base it's 19 to 39 and i finished fifth right yeah fifth and then for the four five the texas cx txcx season i'm waiting for david comer to announce the the standings but i think i won the four five for this year all on single speed i just have to pat myself on the back <laughs> 
They should, man. That's what I wanted to give you an opportunity to flex, dude. I want people to know, put some respect on your name, dude. He's gonna drop yeah. you. <laughs> he, I've, and I, I mean, we did the, uh, we we attempted the Central Texas Showdown route, and we did 200 miles. So, like, I mean, you're just a strong rider, and uh, one of the things you always bring is not only speed, your athleticism. But your smile, you're just a great, uh, you're like a party in a person. Anywhere yeah. Ariel is, it's like bound to be a party, which is like always a good time, man, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're going to keep party. the, huh? So oh, it's going to be a safe party. party. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about like what we should make your uh, official title. And one of them, and, and just so you know, you get to pick your own title. But one of the yeah. ones that I've thought of would be like chief safety officer. I think that would be, and for people who get it, they would, they would get it, you know? Yeah. 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 I was thinking about but, yeah, something like that too. Uh, no, that'd be funny. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll be thinking about my title. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's fun. Uh, we don't, shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. So uh, yeah, I, I kind of like everyone to pick their own title. Uh, Alyssa, the person who did our, oh, I can't remember. She did our website and she was like the, tech wizard or so, I can't remember, but you know, you get to pick your own title. So we'll be yeah. curious to see what you come up with. But <laughs> I know that Ariel is very big into safety. It's super important to you on all levels, really every yeah. level of safety. <laughs> every, every, every single level of safety is important to me. It's super important. <laughs> super important. <laughs> and to Bikes Death too. That's a big, you know, core competency of what we're trying to do at Bikes for Death is promote yeah, safety. It's in the, so. the, the diagram it's like a big, it's like really overlapping. And then that big space is also safety. That's like number one, right? Exactly. There. Yeah. Right in the middle. <laughs> so we've, uh, as, as we alluded to, we've, we've been, uh, doing some events and you've been involved with bikes for death on some level for a little over a year now. Uh, we've done the takeover together. We did bike packing basics, uh, this year, the first one you've also done East Texas showdown and central Texas showdown. You've helped us run all those events. First question is like, which one of those has been your personal favorite and why? I think the takeover was probably my personal favorite. It was just such a, I think, a new experience with new people that it made me feel really grateful um, to be there. And I think I was able to like, to really just meet a lot of people where they were in this new place. And like, we had like, it's it's sometimes when you show up to an event, you don't have a lot in common with the people there. Like you're in charge, you know what's going on, you're you're delegating information to people. But there I really felt like I was a person that was learning with them. And that meant a lot to me. Like I was I was brought along to to learn what it was like at a bikes or death uh experience to see to see what Patrick was about, to see how the team with Emily um was, and then to meet people at Mulberry Gap to meet their space that they had for us. It was just really cool. It felt like I was part of it, but also able to like sit back and learn, um, which was great. And I think that campsite was, is awesome. Mulberry Gap is a really cool place. Uh, <laughs> it rained a little, so we weren't able to do the camp out that first night, but we still had did it. We still did a really cool ride and Maxwell came out and took really awesome pictures. And then we all just got to hang out inside where it was warm and dry <laughs> and really get to know each other in a really fun and a really fun and I'd add safe way. And then the rest of the weekend was just awesome. It was just awesome. Yeah. I still think about that a lot. It was, it was cool. And it was cool to, to, to see that people thought that I should belong in those places that I should help create those places. Um, because that's really what I've wanted to do is, is do stuff yeah. like that. So 
That was my favorite. Man, that's a <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, I really uh, love that event too, and and we'll tease the fact that uh, we have another one of those kind of takeover bikepacking summit type. Um, events planned for later on in 2024. So uh, that's definitely the the an event style that like, you know, as far as bikes for death is concerned, and you and I are concerned, that's do- totally our jam and looking forward to doing more of those uh, in the future. So let's take a step back here, man, like you alluded to it, like that's your passion, that's what you're into. Talk a little bit about, you know, uh, what you went to school for and, and why. <laughs> uh I always, I don't know. I always kind of laugh when I talk about what I went to school for, because uh, I'm always like, "Oh, I have a, I have a master's in science," and people are like, "What?" Uh, but I went to Texas A&M, uh, Giggum, and I studied youth development within recreation, parks, and tourism just sciences department. Um, I specifically focused on creating activities for people aged 18 to 27 in the Statistically, people like middle class people have the most ability for growth and like time to recreate. And so I started seeking out how to seeking out novel ways to incorporate recreation in people's identity development. And so at the end of at the end of my program, I had created an employee wellness program for a company that allowed people to recreate it, uh, but also help take care of their needs for uh, interpersonal development. And so they were given opportunities to not only take part in this experience, but also to build into it. And for basically the, the things that they used to have fun would become fun foundational parts of their lives and how they connected with people around them. Um, and so my, my degree was in trying to set up those types of spaces where people could come and have fun and, learn who they are and learn how to relate with other people and then take those skills and go back and use them outside of these spaces. So, yeah. So where does that um, interest and passion for building community come from? Um, I think some of it really spurred at my undergrad. I, I had been a college athlete and hurt my knee and ended up going to a school where I really knew no one. Um, well, I think I knew like two people and it was really hard for me um, to really relate to anyone. Cause I wasn't on a sports team. I didn't really have any friends. I didn't really know anyone. And one thing that really helped me was rec sports. I was able to continue playing soccer and actually other, like I played lacrosse. I've played club lacrosse. I played, uh, intramural basketball and really those recreational sports allowed me to meet friends and to learn how to connect with people. Um, I worked in the rec center I ended up getting an internship at the rec center. And so working with a team to, to create those activities and to create those meaningful spaces for people became really important to me. Um, and so I was still really focused on soccer. And so after that, I went and worked for a soccer club, a professional soccer club in Raleigh. Um, and I did operations and I remember operations was kind of like, the catch-all job it was like the hard labor kind of job where a lot of people wanted to go to marketing or sales or communications or things like that but like on game day they would all have to do operations you know everyone shows up and sets stuff up and so i really i think when i interviewed they were like oh you want to do operations like you don't want to do anything else and i was like no i want to help like set up these events so people can come and enjoy soccer games 
and not have to like worry about anything once they come in that like these places they can go into, they can relax and everything's thought about and everything is part of this experience that allows them to fully enjoy it. So when they leave, it'll have more of an impact. And so I got that job and I ended up working there for like a year and a half or something like that. And then decided to go back to school so I could, I think not only figure out how to be more impactful because I'd say I just wanted to be more impactful and figure out how to do it in a bigger scale um, and in like a better way. Maybe I use the word a more novel way, just like outside of the box thinking of how, of really trying to understand how people work so you can meet their, meet more of their needs. So I decided to go back to grad school and I decided to go to Texas A&M because I'd lived in North Carolina my whole life and most people I knew had lived there their whole life. <laughs> and I wanted hmm. to go somewhere that, I could challenge myself and see if I could also grow um, to, to be able to use those further growth experiences to see what other people deal with so that they can, um, you know, so I could better meet people's needs, you know, just to, yeah. yeah, I tried to, I went there to make my, try and make myself better and it was hard, <laughs> but <laughs> did it work? Did it make you, do you think it made, it pushed you? Do you think it pushed you and helped you to like gain that understanding you were seeking? And do you think it helped you grow as a person? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, it gave me one way, a new language in which to like relate to the world and to like one, share myself with people and to then be able to be open to other people sharing themselves in different ways. Um, it challenged my understanding of the real world of like what I perceive to be the world. But I think ultimately, and this was probably the biggest thing, was that it showed me that I was right about my capability to go out and do something big and like change my world and change the world around me. And that was like the first like big leap I took that showed me that like I was right. I could I could go and change everything around me and become a better person and use that to help the people around me. I fucking love it, man. I absolutely love it. And I think that speaks volumes about why I'm so excited to have you on the team because like, you know, I've, I have been able and fortunate to create a really great online community. And, and then once, you know, the podcast was kind of in full swing, I quickly turned my attention to bringing that community into the, the real world. And how can we like build a community that people can like actually like take all the stoke from the podcast and all the inspiration that everybody always gets and like, okay, but let's bring it and do something with it and let's hang out and let's ride bikes together. And, um, you know, and that's why I reached out to you is like, how can we create the best events possible? How can we cast the widest net and make sure when people come, they're having a good time. They feel welcome. Not, not, yeah, not just fun, but like, they feel like this is a space for them, you know, and no matter who you are, where you came from, how much money you have, what kit you're wearing, it, you know, it's like, we just want to create this space for people to come and, and enjoy this community. So speaking to this community, I'm curious, you know, community is something you build anywhere. And, and you've recently started to use the cycling as, or bikes as a way to build community. Um, what are you seeing in, in the cycling community? Any any thoughts as a community organizer, um, as somebody who's passionate about community? Are there any areas of growth that you're excited about, like exploring or any thoughts on that? Um, I think that one thing I've learned is that when you do things in like, a sometimes sometimes we live in a vacuum, I'll say that. And that we think that what we do is um, like no one sees it. 
or that it doesn't have that much of an impact because we're only like serving the people around us. And I think sometimes when you're doing that, you get lost in the, in the, in the big picture of like, this is a great thing, even though it's just like serving these people, but you see people do stuff because they see that there's a need for it. And I realized that there are people all around us who are doing really cool stuff and that people just don't know about it. And the more I've like, ridden my bike and the more I've gotten to know bike people, you realize that there are a lot of people in, you know, a lot of, I'd say like personally, I, I sought to find, to create spaces for black people in cycling as like one of the first things I tried to do. Um, I realized that there's a lot of people doing that um, who don't have the same like platform that I do um, or don't have the same access to, to resources. Um, and so I, I think that as I've wanted to go forward, it's, it's about continuing to do the work that I'm doing and helping to connect with other people to show that like, Hey, we're doing this together. There's like companionship in this, there's community connecting us across distance. Um, and then now we can share the message that we're all caring for people. Um, and so I see that, especially with Bikes or Death is like, as more, as we're, as your, as your podcast is growing, and as we're connecting to people who are doing other cool stuff, it seems like a really cool way to help people realize or help support people uh, in what they're doing, where they're at. So like there's people from all over the country listening to the podcast. And if we can bring them together, we can show them that the world isn't like as big as it seems, you know, that there's people close to them that are doing stuff that they could be involved in. So like, it's not just this one person that's bikepacking in Iowa. There's like, oh, there's a guy two towns over that you don't know is listening to the show uh, who's doing it too. And now you, you guys all came to this bikepacking event that we did or this race that we had. And now you guys are connected and you can do overlapping stuff and create more connections. Um, yeah. And I think that Bikes or Death has created a really cool space in that. And the events that we do are really important in that way because it, it brings people together in a really special way. And then it doesn't just like drop them off. You know, it's these events are part of a, a, a bigger thing that that's just about connecting people. Man, I love, love, love that. And it's something that I, you would have identified it because you have a degree in this. But whenever I was creating the events, it's something I didn't account for was like, you know, we started with the East Texas Showdown. That was kind of the biggest premier event that like really gained, gained some traction. But what I quickly realized is we are literally just giving people a space to connect with each other, to share their experiences, to make friends and lifelong friends. And those those bonds that are made during these events have nothing to do with me or nothing to do with you necessarily. It's just like, we're yeah. just creating a space. And then like that just happens organically and, and people keep coming back because they want to see their friends. You know, it's not like they want to come yeah. and maybe they want to come say hi to me or maybe they want to come say hi to you, but <laughs> also they have all these great friends that they make every single year. And it's kind of obvious, but it's not something that was on my radar. And it's something that has really been like very fulfilling to me is just giving people an opportunity to have that space to make those connections because that's going to edify their lives and that's going to strengthen their connection to the outdoors, to the community, to riding bikes, which builds community. I think <laughs> yeah. it's like definitely one way. And it's, 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 I think it's always, for me, it's always been worth trying that way. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great way to say it. It's worth trying. It's something worth doing. So 
in 2024, you and I have, uh, man, our event calendar is fucking crazy. I don't know if yes. you're intimidating, <laughs> but intimidated by it, but, but I'm intimidated by it. I mean, uh, like after this year, I don't know if I get intimidated by like, cal- like, <laughs> cause it was like, I think Megan and I looked back at the year and so like it sl- started slow, but by February, like February, it starts to pick up. And then March is all like all month. I was gone. I think this year, um, then I was back for a little bit. Then like, then it just kicks off. It's like, you have like three summer months <laughs> and it's, it's the hottest time to be in Texas to like not have anything to do. Uh, and it's just like, it's June, July and sort of August. And then everything kicks back on September. I think I was, mm-hmm. cause when did we do the ride? Uh, the ITT? We did the CTS attempt was at the end of September, I believe. September. Yeah. So like, I think the beginning of that month I started, we had a bikepacking trip and a cross race, and then we did the ITT. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. since then I have not rested. And I looked at the month and I was, I was looking at this year after we talked and with the the stuff with my stuff with black history bike ride. And I was like, dude, my life kicks back off in March and I don't know when it'll pause. And I'm like, I'm excited. You know, I think I'm looking forward to, to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And, I think it'll seem uh, it's a little it's a little big. <laughs> I think it's a it lot, is a little big. I like know, we'll I like to dr- yeah we'll be together. We have each other, and that's exactly what one thing I was thinking is like it seems less scary because I I have more help this year. We're also introducing Mackenzie Barney to the team on a on a separate call from this, and so Mackenzie. you know stronger together you know the same way we build community and uh when we bring people together we're stronger when you collaborate with other organizations doing adjacent things you're stronger and whenever um i can bring people into my little bikes for death community that can help me put on events and uh bring them to the world we're stronger you know and so like our goals for 2024 are, are pretty big uh we're we're take i mean my freaking calendar and your calendar are so stacked. Uh, we don't even have enough minutes in the day to like tell people what all we have going on. But we are going to create a community uh, events calendar on the Bikes for Death website. So that's something we're going to do so we can start to just tease everything we have going on and make it easy for people to find. But until then, Ariel, what events in 2024 with Bikes for Death are you the most excited about? I think we have like somewhere between 12 and 15, like official bikes for death events. And then we also have like our own, like we're both riding mid South and I'm doing doom and I'm doing the AZT and you got your racing and you're doing, you're doing rule of three. Like we're both independently busy with our own riding. And then we're also doing these events. So again, what, yeah. What bikes for death events are you like the most excited about for 2024? Yeah. Uh, I think definitely first off is our bike camping trip at the end of January. I think that'll be like our first, me and Patrick's first official bike camping trip together. And it's a fun route. We lead it. I've led it for Cycle East. um, And it's like 10 miles, three hills. I say three. It's like one's a double stagger. So like, you know, you could say four, but three hills. (laughs) Um, And those trips are always just a lot of fun. And so I'm really excited to kind of kick the year off doing that. Um, I think... And we still have to figure out all the details, but the BIPOC camp out uh, with Black History Bike Ride 
So Patrick's going to come and interview Talib, Brandon, and I and talk about our our documentary route to emancipation when we biked uh, to Galveston over three days. No, four. Yeah. I don't remember. It was a lot. It was four days, I think. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then I'm honestly excited. I think one of the things we talked about, Patrick, was like doing some content stuff for like AZT um, for like Bikes or Death. And I think I'm really excited to like, I mean, I don't want to ride it. But uh, just show up somewhere and just be taking pictures. I don't know. That's like always oh, yeah? appealed to me to like go and support and like do stuff like that. Like I don't always have to be riding my bike. I think that's one of the things that's like I love bikes because it is both a vehicle for you, like a literal vehicle for you for forward momentum, but also like being around bikes gets you out and takes you places. And like right. I just I just love bikes, all bikes, bikes aerial bikes <laughs> <laughs> yeah bikes or death it's almost like bikes or death it's almost like bikes or death. One, one could say yeah one could say <laughs> that yeah dude i'm the same way man like just put me around bikes like let me take a video let me create a podcast let me take some pictures or be there to write a story or, or be there to ride but like just put me in the community and give me an opportunity to to be involved. And and like you said, it still gets you outside. And that's something that we're both excited about. Like we, we genuinely, uh, yeah, we like building the community and, and, and all the parts that are associated with that, which is like taking pictures and videos and being able to share those stories. Cause it is, that is the way that you, you attract more people and say, Hey, this is what we're doing and you can come too. And we want you to come and it's fun. And uh, so yeah, I would, I'm still wrapping my head around the best way to document the AZT attempt, but, yeah. um, I definitely, definitely want to document it and it would be, you know, with AZT, we can't have like a dedicated film or camera crew just for me. Cause that would go mm -hmm. against the rules of the race. Um, but just having you out on course and documenting everybody, because like, that's the cool thing about this. I don't know if anyone's ever done a, an AZT group start like that's outside of the official group start. I'm not aware of one. Um, so this is going to be kind of cool. We're a little bit rogue, but we have permission from the authorities, so it's not really rogue. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's something cool, something different uh, for the community. I'm going to go out there and ride it, and it would be just cool to document everybody's experience that like shows yeah. up to do that, you know, not just mine, but um, it's going to be, I mean, it's AZT. It's a big deal. So yeah. 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 That's like one cool thing about joining with you is that what we do gives a, like, it's a platform for people. So like, there are going to be people that are doing this, that have really cool stories that are doing really cool stuff where they're from. And like, if we were able to like take pictures and have stuff and share their stories, then like the other stories get to come out too. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's part of the, part of that. And it's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Bikes for Death has never really been about me. I'm, I am the host, so I'm always there. But like, you know, my goal is to amplify the stories in the community to find the the cool people and the cool stories and put them out there so that everyone can benefit for them. I get excited about them. I want to hear them. And so does everybody else. So yeah, we'll, we'll keep that theme alive and uh, keep telling awesome stories and finding rad humans. All right. Well, I got to hop on another one with Mackenzie. Uh, right after this. Uh, exciting. So let's ask you one final question. It's got to be about bikes. What is, what's your favorite bike in your stable right now? 
Oh man. Um, you got to pick a favorite. I know it's like picking okay. a favorite it's, child, but it's not. I mean, it's definitely it's the it's the bike that I have to put in a box uh, when it's not season. It's my cross bike. That was like the first. That was like the bike I got on like Craigslist or something for like two hundred bucks in a case of beer that my roommate had given me, who's a brewer at five one two. So like not much, but it was this single speed. It's a specialized tri cross um, single cross. So it's like their single speed cross bike. And it really became like my commuter when I like was first like in Austin. I think I got it maybe at the start of COVID or something like that. But I used that for bike packing, used it for that. Then as I got more bikes, I decided to not ride it and save it for cross. Uh, but I think it's, I'm going to put it up. I'm going to put it back in a box for good now. Um, I'm going to shuffle some of my bikes down. <laughs> and so I'll use a different bike for cross next season. Um, but that's my definitely my favorite bike. Uh, my cross bike it's it's the best i love that uh just uh you a facebook find you trade a 100 bucks and and a and a thing of beer for a bike and and now you're winning you're coming in second in state you're just tearing things up any any bike will do won't it ariel you don't have to have the best bike any bike will do Rim rim brake and single speed let's go let's go you can do it ride your damn bike man i love it (laughs) <laughs> well, thanks, Ariel, dude. I'm I genuinely, man, I could not be more excited to be working with you in 2024. I I have a lot of respect for you on a personal and a professional level. And I'm really excited to collaborate with you, listen to your ideas and figure out how we can make these events even better. You know, so uh, looking forward to it, my my dude, let's have a good 2024. Yeah, man. Fucking tear it up. To it it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of work, but also a lot of fun. And I'm excited for that. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad I get to do it with you. So yeah, buddy, it's going to be and a good McKenzie. year, man. And McKenzie. and McKenzie. McKenzie will always be behind the camera. She'll be making us look good, but, uh, she, she's an important part for sure. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't have to try that hard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, All right man. Tell McKenzie I said, hey. I hope you have, I hope you have a great day. Right. I will talk to you later, buddy. Bye bye. Mackenzie Barney, welcome back to the uh, Bikes for Death podcast. But this time, I'd like to officially welcome you to the Bikes for Death team. Excited to have you, Mackenzie. Thanks so much on both parts. It's uh, it's a great it's great to be back on the podcast, and it's great <laughs> to be a part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's pretty funny, like the timing. You know, timing is everything sometimes, and I've learned about you and your skill sets when I was researching our episode that we did. And so for anyone who missed it, uh, it's episode 157 with Mackenzie Barney. She cycled the world solo and you can listen to that episode. And in fact, Mackenzie, we were just talking about the awards and um, I haven't tallied up all the votes yet, but I do know that your episode has received quite a few votes in multiple different categories. So um, I know it was well received by the audience and and maybe it might've even won an award. We don't know. We'll have to see where the where it all lands but um i'm excited to have you as part of the team i was absolutely blown away whenever i was researching him like oh my gosh this girl has done everything and that includes from through hiking to touring the world as a solo cyclist but let's peel back the curtain a little bit towards your professional career because um Again, we can have everybody listen to the episode. You've done a lot and we covered a lot on that episode. But tell us 
what you've been doing behind the scenes as a as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, as a content creator. Fill in some of those details for us. Oh, geez. I guess it all really starts with film for me. So um, I studied film and then I went into the film world, got really into documentary film. I was fortunate enough to create a lot, a lot of documentary uh, programs for the likes of Outside, National Geographic, Fox. Um, and then I got quite into the adventure world. So I've since then been kind of blending the two worlds, if you will, um, and trying to find um, my storytelling voice within the human-powered adventure world. So um, that's through film, speaking, and uh, also writing. So on the writing front, I'm a contributor for The Radivist. Um, on the speaking front, I just kind of did a, a whole tour with my film that I'll tell you about in a second um, around the U.S. and did presentations and love talking to live audiences. Um, and then on the film side of things, I just completed, like you said, uh, a multi-year, 18,000-mile, 28-country voyage, mostly solo, of uh, cycling the world. So that took me through a number of different continents, a number of different um, like climates. Uh, I was above 16,000 feet. And then I was at the sea level crossing Australia. Um, everyone can like listen to that, that podcast where I talk about the entire journey. But the cool thing is that I'm actually merging these two adventure and storytelling worlds with a film that's coming out. So that's called Cycling the World. And uh, I am still touring it around the U.S., I'm going to be announcing a really exciting event coming up in January. Uh, and that's the only place people can see the film right now is at these live events. Um, but it will be released in early 2024 to the public. So I'm really excited for that. And then it just kind of all worked out once we looped in, once you and I, Patrick, looped in about this podcast and I was able to come on the show. That was a huge honor to talk about my whole trip. Everything's kind of been progressing since then in terms of my film and the story that I'm trying to tell. And then also just a perfect hybrid with everything Bikes or Death and coming on, on board with the team to help everything media production, really. So really excited for everything we have on the horizon on the Bikes or Death front. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, timing is everything, and it was so interesting that you know you 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 know this because we've talked about this. But prior to our uh, interview and when we were getting ready for our chat for the podcast, I was separately looking for somebody to bring onto the team to help um, help help. You know, the funny thing is, Mackenzie is like I own a media company, but I didn't come into. Uh, this space from media. I'm a, I'm a real estate agent. My background is in sales and entrepreneurship and running businesses and managing businesses. And so I have, you know, some skill sets in that side of things. But whenever it comes to actually being a media company and and marketing yourself and reaching a larger audience, you know, I have some some blind spots, you know, and so I'm, I'm aware of those. And that's fine. We can't all be amazing at everything. And so I was looking actively looking for somebody but i do have to acknowledge just in life like timing is kind of funny and um you know i met you I, and you just came across my my radar in a very organic way you're somebody who uh, is intimately aware of the outdoor spaces has a personal passion for human uh, powered travel uh, whether it's on foot or foot or by bike you're intimately familiar with you know cycling and the cycling world and the cycling culture plus uh, you just happen to be a fan of the podcast so you're aware of the podcast and I'm like and then you have all these these um, 
accomplishments, yes, but all these projects that you've been associated with and and they range the gamut, like you said, everything from writing to photography, filmmaking, speaking. I mean, you kind of do a little bit of everything. And I'm like, holy crap, look at this. <laughs> like just handed to me on a silver platter. Um, and then on the other side, we have Ariel, who has been working with Bikes for Death uh, loosely for about a year. And, and then around the same time, Cycle East says, hey, we're shutting our doors. And now Ariel's looking for more of a stable situation. And um, I feel really fortunate to, to really have put this team together kind of organically in a really natural way. Um, and so, you know, to make it clear for the listening audience on, on the media and content creation side, helping us to tell the stories and share the stories. We have McKinsey. And then on the event side, Ariel is going to help us put on even better events and how can we cast a wider net, reach a greater audience. And so um, I think with our powers combined, nothing can stop us. <laughs> if for I can sure. be a little, a little cheesy. Um, uh, I had a fun question for you. I actually skipped it but I want to skip back real quick. So on our episode, you alluded to it. We talked about a lot of things and absolutely anyone can go listen to our episode 157. But I don't know, most people, I think, you know, you might listen back to an episode and you're like, oh man, I should have said that or I wish I told that story or um, I wish I said that better. Yeah. I'm going to give you a redo. Was there anything on our episode when you listen to it back, you're like, oh man, I should have told that story or, or anything like that. Any, any redos you want to take a, a stab at right now? No. And I don't really, I, I really don't believe in redos, right? Like no, I'm a total, it. like no regrets person. Right. Um, but I will say that it's pretty interesting that we did. So yours was the first podcast. Uh, it was before this whole, it was before my film was finished you and I were talking a bit about how I was in the editing bay on the film. And so after our podcast, I finished the film, which is self-edited. And I don't know if I really described the behind the scenes of that. Mm. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll, I'll dive into a little bit of, of that thinking. Um, as I mentioned on a lot of my previous projects, I've gone the sponsored route or the media partner route, where you basically you select a, a way you're going to tell your story and the client, if you will. And then you go and you do your adventure. And then you kind of send your footage through or you edit it yourself and you tell it with that client in mind. I actually, uh, I actually went away from that more conventional filmmaking, storytelling approach for this trip. So I wanted it to be unaltered, uninfluenced, and super organic. So that meant the all of the stories, all of the messaging, I wanted to come organically from me to the viewer, to the audience, to hopefully this will be a book someday to the reader. And in order to do that, you know, it's a bit of a risk because you have no backing, you have no support, you have no sponsors. But I very like intentionally wanted to make this a trip of an outer voyage, yes, but an inner voyage too, and then share what happened along the way. So this trip was completely self-funded. I talked about it a little bit, but I stopped at a farm along the way. Um, I would keep revisiting this farm to make some money and keep going. Um, so completely self-funded. The trip was something I set up on my own. Um, and then in Africa, my partner, James, who has a book coming out next week, actually, um, we set the entire route for Africa. I set the entire route for the whole cycle of the world. So self-created, self-done, um, and then also self-shot, which, uh, 
you know, self-producing something or filming something, only you is tough in so many physical ways, right? Because you have to set up the camera and run and grab your bike and cycle and then go pick up your camera again. But also it's really tough because you're constantly battling in your mind between how, how much should I be the subject and how much should I be the storyteller? Um, so there's quite a lot of inner, tor- inner turmoil with that as a storyteller and a adventurer. Um, and then when I got back, I said, okay, now I have all this footage, thousands of hours, three years of footage. I feel like I should edit this. So, um, in previous projects, I'm more of a producer, um, also a photographer. I can direct, but editing, right, is something where I really had to put a lot of my focus and almost, um, kind of repolish myself in order to edit this whole thing. Like you're looking at thousands of hours of footage. So it it was quite an undertaking. And that's where I was during our chat, Patrick. So I think it's really interesting to almost dial back right now and say, wow, since then, like I've had to, you know, edit this whole film. And then I kind of, I very, um, unintentionally sort of like kept that theme going, right? Um, I started to contact different bike shops, universities, places I wanted to show this film to as pre-release. So before the public can see it to do my own film tour, if you will. And I just started to kind of call people in the industry and got some brands on board as well. You know, we were fortunate enough to have like Bedrock Sandals, Ombra Sunglasses, Oveja Negra, Tailfin Cycling. Um, we had a number of other ones kind of come on board too along the way, like Revelate and Rafa. And the Radivus was huge in all this. They were my media partner. But I think um, what I learned from all this is doing something completely self-made is it, it's very rewarding and it's super risky and it's really scary. But that through and through is the, I guess, my messaging um, across all boards, right? Like do something you're scared of and, uh, you'll really surprise yourself with what comes out of it. So a long winded answer, uh, to your question, but I think that's where I would kind of just look back at our conversation and say, what a cool milestone or marker for where I was. And then kind of now where I am with the film being released in early 2024, doing a really cool event uh, that I can't wait to announce for January, but also where we are as Bikes or Death, kind of integrating into this team. Um, I am such a huge fan of Ariel. I got to meet Ariel for the first time at the um, Central Texas Showdown, and his energy and his community building skills are seriously an, an anomaly and very refreshing in this world today. Um, the the live in person impact that Ariel has, and not to mention, I mean, all the amazing things that I have said and will continue to say about bikes or death. How you find a way to merge these worlds of you know bike packing and racing, but also so bikepacking the lifestyle. And I think what you're doing here, Patrick, is so unique. And uh, I'm so excited to help tell the story of Bikes or Death to the world. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And your your excitement is contagious. And I'm excited to have, I mean, the, equally, like, I think it's worth mentioning. I mean, you were just stoking Ariel's flame and that's a flame worth stoking. Um, but I'll stoke yours because while he is you know, passionate and very good at the in-person community building, you are equally as passionate and good at promoting and producing and and showcasing uh, what we're doing, which, I, you know, we were talking to Ariel. I'm like, yeah, we need, you know, it's our job to create these events and make them as good as we can. And then, but it's up to McKinsey to make us look good, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and hopefully we, we don't make it too hard on you, you know, hopefully we make your job, uh, your job easy. 
Mackenzie, where does your passion come from for telling these stories? Because you are a passionate outdoors person, but this entire time you've also been sharing your stories from the very beginning in one way or another. Where, where is that passion coming from? Why are you so passionate about sharing these stories? It's a really great question. And I think, you know, for some of the best questions in life, it's okay to not have a definitive answer, right? Um, my answer for that really is an evolution. Um, I find that human powered travel specifically allows me to access um, more of why I'm doing anything. And just the best way I can describe it is um, in civilization and society, we layer a lot of things on and these layers of identity, we can actually peel them back when we are out on a bike in nature, when we are hiking in nature, when we're still in quiet, you know, that could be in meditation and yoga or, or writing or reading, whatever it might be for you. I find the, the best vessel to get there is actually human powered travel to peel back these layers of identity and excavate truth right? Seek truth in life. Seek this, who am I really? What is my voice uh, behind all these layers of kind of conditioning around me? Um, I think that's where a lot of my passion lies uh, and what I tried to reveal a bit in this previous film. Um, but I think that being in the natural world, especially by our own human power, there's something really special about earning the miles, earning the experiences and earning the story and essentially the, the answer to your question, right? Like, why am I out here? Why am I telling these stories? Um, you know, I don't have to tell you, but uh, I don't have to tell anyone this, but human, human beings have been storytellers since the beginning of time, right? So where does that intrinsic uh, urge and passion come from? Um, you know, I feel like it's all a part of the human experience. And I'm just out here and I'm, I'm constantly under construction. I'm an under construction <laughs> human. And uh, I do definitely have a passion for storytelling. But um, I think there's something special in finding how all of this is really interconnected. So, um, you know, in a way, like I, I do, I can view things from a deep perspective, like this inward perspective. But I also still try to have like an outward experience, an outward adventure. And so that's where the worlds of adventure and storytelling kind of merge for me. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. They're, they are intertwined. I probably couldn't drop you off in a, I mean, maybe you love pottery, but like an underwater basket weaving class, you might not be as passionate for, and your storytelling might not be quite as passionate as it is for something that you have a, a deep, uh, and a, like a, a real, um, internal understanding and a value for it just kind of, yeah, it, it helps to be more excited and, and it's easier to access that passion uh, when it's something you're already passionate about. Let's turn that to Bikes or Death. What are you excited about looking forward as we partner together and start working together? Is there anything in particular that you're excited about when you think about, hey, I'm going to put my skill sets to the use of Bikes or Death? Or yeah, what, what are you looking forward to with this partnership? I'm really excited to expand stories in general with Bikes or Death, right? So if you look at us as a, uh, a large storytelling platform, I think um, I'm so inspired by the podcast and all the stories and interviews that you're already doing. I think what people can see who are listening to this now is that we're about to expand things on a motion picture, on a video front, right? Um, we have a lot of very exciting collaborations coming up. And I think just overall, um, these new experiences, right? So you can talk about live experience 
experiences and events, but also how we're telling the story and how we're going to approach things with a unique point of view and a unique lens, a unique angle. Um, I think everyone can hopefully see a lot more from us on the motion picture side of things, on the documentation side of things, and just really starting to kind of own this space of, of bikepacking. Um, really excited for that, becoming that definitive voice, if you will. Yeah, I, I mean, I love it. I appreciate it. It's, um, yeah, again, I mean, your your passion and excitement is infectious and something that I want to to state publicly is like, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of yours. And I tell everybody every opportunity that I get that I, I see you as somebody who's bringing a lot to the table. And I'm looking forward to learning from you. You know, I, I really have already learned a lot. I'm enjoying how we collaborate. And, and you know, we're teasing some partnerships that we're currently working on. And, and I, I really feel like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward from my perspective to this partnership, because I have all these thoughts and ideas and hopes and goals and dreams and everything. And what what did you tell me when we first started talking that you are a you're like a doer. You're like you like you throw all the mud on the wall and I'm the person that like helps coalesce it and, and make it happen. Well, like there's a talk about intertwining, right? So there's dreamers and doers. There's the, I absolutely see you as a visionary. I think that you are someone who you sit down for a beer with you or a coffee with you and you're going to like ping out all these ideas, right? You're total visionary, you're total, total dreamer. And I'm just there to, to get shit done, right? Like you tell me your idea, I'll make it happen. And I think that's a pretty cool way to work together. Um, and then you've got Ariel in that too. I mean, it's just, like you said, it's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, it is. I, I told you this privately. Um, I've said it to friends, but what people may not realize about you, and I truly believe this, is because I've had an opportunity to work with you on a one-on-one basis and see how you work behind the scenes, I could absolutely see you running a Fortune 500 company. Like The professionalism that you bring um, and the and the business inside and, and your creativity, your creative mind um, are 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 exceptional. And I mean that I've been in business for most of my life. I've been running businesses. And I think you have a lot to offer, both as just a member of the community who like loves it and gets it and is in it, but also with this passion for storytelling and a real knack for it. Like you have a real knack for it. And so I just want to put some respect on your name because people are going to be seeing Bikes for Death having um, probably a a greater visual presence on the internet. Our Instagram is going to look a little bit better. It already is. We're going to be telling stories in a better way. And we have to just give a lot of, if not most of that credit to McKinsey. So I'm already excited with what we're seeing and really just excited for this, this year. I was telling Ariel that but I feel like we, on some level, I could get intimidated if I like zoom out and look too closely at like all the things that we're trying to accomplish. But I also like, I don't fucking care, man. Like do what scares you, you know, like don't take it easy, take risk to your point. And um, I feel like we, you know, with this team and with the platform that we have, I think there's a, a real opportunity and and I want to take advantage of that. And it feels so good to have people that are working with me to help all this make make sense and make it work, right? And like, not only are y'all helping me, but y'all are bought in. Like you're naturally passionate for storytelling. You naturally are excited about Bikes for Death. You, uh, and, and then Ariel is the same way. And so it's just, I, I really like how everything's coming together and, um, yeah, just really excited about about the new year. What event 
or events are you the most excited about? What story are you the most excited to tell and and get across uh, to a larger audience? Yeah, if I can um, answer that with events, I'm definitely going to go with the Texas Showdown series, right? Um, as we've thrown around uh, the term Texas Triple Crown, uh, but the Texas Showdown series is something that I've always heard about. I've always heard about East Texas Showdown, how it sells out right away. You know, you've created this this force in the bikepacking event field where, you know, somehow you make it fun with the lowdown. You make it accessible with the slowdown and the showdown is where you can really test your physical limits. So I don't know how you've like concocted this, Patrick, but it's genius what it is, right? And so I've always heard about the ETS. Um, and then I actually got to be a part of and help to photograph and do social media on the team within Central Texas Showdown. Um, and that was really fun to have a beginner's fresh perspective of how these events run and on the first inaugural inaugural year, right? Um, and to just kind of feed off that energy. What I'm really excited about, if I had to say one event, it's uh, it's the West Texas Showdown, right? I'm excited to see where that ends up in Texas. Um, I'm going to... I will bet money on it that it is going to be uh, sold out in a second. I hear there might ha- might even have to be some qualifications uh, in terms of how you get into the race, right? Like, I am so excited for watching the... And being a part of the creation of that one. Um, and I'm not sure if you've announced when it is yet, so I'll leave that out. But the whole series as an entirety, right? I'm excited for all the different storytelling pieces and elements that we're going to start to roll out within Texas Showdown series. Yeah, I, I'm i with you, man. The Texas Showdown series is, I, I'm passionate about it all because it's all mine, right? So like, I love it all, but uh, the Texas Showdown series has a special place in my heart. Um, I feel very fortunate to be a lifelong Texan and to be able to create an event that creates space and community and introduces people to Texas. And what I like to tell people is even if you live in Texas, I'm going to show you parts of Texas that you've never seen. And, uh, and if you don't live in Texas, um, we get rave reviews, you know, people come to Texas and they're like, they're always like, Oh, I didn't expect this, you know, and I know what they mean. They're, they're I know what they're thinking <laughs> and they're, they're coming and they're having a good experience. And that, that is really exciting for me. And the other side of that is I'm excited to introduce, you know, local Texans and, you know, far flung East Texas that have never seen a guy in a mohawk with a pink tutu riding through the woods. Uh, I'm I'm excited to collide those two worlds in a positive way where both communities can benefit um, from those interactions. And so, you know, kind of I, I'm I'm stealing your episode here, but uh, but yeah, I mean that I'm just piggybacking like the showdown series, I think. I look at that as like a legacy event almost like I'm a lifelong Texan and if I can leave behind an event or not that I'm going anywhere soon, but like, you know, if I can create an event that leaves a mark and a positive mark in Texas, um, that's something special to me because like at the very beginning of when I started recording uh, the po- the podcast, Bikes for Death, I, I was one of the first people to like kind of stand up and be like, mm, Texas isn't that great. I'm always looking to just get out of here. Um, and I, I needed to shift my perspective, you know, and I needed to I needed to advocate for Texas and say, yeah, it might not be the most diverse, rich land and have the greatest writing potential. Um, but we have community here. You know, we have places here. And I did feel a little bit of 
responsibility in some way to uh, to kind of shift my perspective and say, okay, what can we offer through Texas? Like, what can we do? And I, and it it's been successful, which is really really cool. And yeah, West Texas Showdown is going to probably be the best one. And I am going to be announcing all the details or most of the details about that on this episode. So I don't know when it'll come out, but we'll table that for right now. Oh. Cool. Oh, fun one. One fun thing that I like to do is allow everybody that works for me or with me to uh, to come up with their own title. So you don't have to do it right now. But... You know, you can think about how you want to brand yourself. What is your title at Bikes for Death? We'll put you up on the website with your title. Ariel's might be Chief Safety Officer, and if you know Ariel, that's a it's <laughs> <that's> a layered <laughs> okay. It's a layered title. So yeah, you can have some fun with it. But uh, yeah, cool. You have to All think right. of what to come soon. It? Yep. No, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. I, you know, I love Director of Good Times, but I think my role within Bikes for Death is a little bit a little bit more story driven. So I'm going to give that some thought. Yeah. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Um, anything else you want to say? I have one last question, just a fun one, but any other thoughts or anything we skipped over that you wanted to touch on as it relates to this new uh, venture for both of us? No, I would say it's a pretty full circle how, you know, what June of last year, um, I just was like, man, I'm loving following this, whatever you want to call it, dispatch feet by beat, like all of your coverage of the tour divide. Um, and that's where I think a lot of people, uh, find bikes or death, right? Like what is, who, who is that? Who's winning tour divide and how can I find out more? And I think like a lot of people come to bikes or death for when there's a really big bike packing event or race going on. I think that you are that definitive voice, Patrick. And, uh, I'm just honored to have been on the podcast after that, after I bugged you quite a bit. Um, <laughs> and how everything has evolved now. But I think um, just drawing upon maybe my origin story with how I came to Bikes or Death and as a fan, as an audience member, um, I think that everyone can expect a lot more of that. And uh, there's a lot more that that came from. So if you found Bikes or Death through the Tour Divide or AZTR or um, CTR or anything like that, um, and a lot of the big personalities that you've hosted as well on the podcast, I think there's a lot more to come. And I'm excited to be a part of where that vision's going. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. All right. Last one. This could be an easy question or a hard one, depending on how many bikes you have and how many, uh, how in love with them you are. But uh, what is your favorite bike? I don't even know. You might be a one bike person. I, I don't even know. So uh, yeah, what is your favorite bike? Okay, this is probably going to be, I'm going to bring this back to the Fortune 500 compliment, which was okay. very nice of you to say. Um, but, you know, like for me, I'm a person who always assesses what is it that I actually need in this world, right? So, you know, but I don't really live anywhere. Um, I'm very nomadic type, uh, kind of hopping between hemispheres, even my partner, he's from New Zealand. Um, so I'm constantly asking myself, we're constantly asking ourselves, um, what is it that I need? And then take only that. Right. So even with the fortune 500 compliment, it's like, I would probably only ever take what I need. And I feel like, you know, this short fleeting existence we have here on planet earth, it's like, do what you love, you know? So don't try to make the most money, do what you love. Um, I know that a lot of people listening to this probably have a whole quiver of bicycles and there's nothing wrong with that because car-free lifestyle, am I right? So bicycles over cars any day, but I am a one or none bike person. So sometimes I'll even when I'm when I've kind of completed what I need 
to do on a bicycle, I will sell it to a home so that it can be ridden all the time because I'm constantly bouncing around different places. Like right now I'm in Oaxaca, Mexico, so I can't be riding my bike. So, um, I do have a Kona Sutra LTD. So I have to give Kona a shout for that one. It's an incredible steel. It's like the ultimate steel adventure bike that hybrids gravel mountain and touring. And it was perfect for South America. Highly recommend for South America. Um, and I love steel on any world kind of expedition because it can be soldered anywhere. Um, you can sort that out if something breaks. Um, but when it comes to like bikes and just anything in general, I'm like, do I need it? If not, get it to a better home. Um, and I can find one when I need one, right? That's the cool thing about what happens in life is when you when you really need something, it'll show up. Um, so I have to give Kona a shout, but right now I'm a one bike person and that's the Kona Sutra LTD. And uh, sometimes I'm a no bike person. I'm going to podcast you real quick. I guess I am podcasting you, but we're going to we're going to take this in a slightly different direction. Has your minimalism been informed more greatly through your travels or have you always kind of erred on the side of minimalism? Yeah, it absolutely. I have changed. Right. So um, more of that. I don't want to call it cookie cutter. I don't want to call it Western, but like, cause everyone's different. Right. But, um, I, I did definitely feel a shift, um, when I got into through hiking. So I, I think a lot of people feel the shift when they get into bike packing for the first time, it's this consolidation of what do I actually need? Oh, it's funny. I actually need water, uh, food, maybe shelter and you know, arguably some sense of purpose. Um, so if you're on a bike with everything on it, uh, that's pretty much it, right? You have everything you could ever need. And that makes you kind of rethink everything. Um, so I'd say human powered travel specifically made me reassess, uh, excess materialism, consumerism, whatever you want to throw in that, uh, in that mix of just kind of living like as Chenard calls it an examined life. Um, what do I really need? And yeah, absolutely. Like the tipping point for me was New Zealand going over for my very first through hike and a big international trip where I, I learned how I could kind of shed the layers of, of material items and what little I needed, um, to exist and be happy on this planet. Very well said. The other thing that, you know, I've personally, you know, as I've, um, I just posted on my personal social media like yesterday that a year ago, uh, a year ago actually today, yeah, I got back from my first international trip to Mexico. And since then, I mean, within the last year, I, uh, we went on four trips. So I just got back from El Salvador on Monday. So, you know, uh, packing it in. But one of the takeaways that I've gained from traveling specifically to Latin America, and, and it was even even more evident in El Salvador, which is an extremely poor country, is just how much excess we have in life. And I've come back from this trip and really have felt the weight of that even more. I feel like every time it like weighs with me even more and like it's not even just like stuff, but it's also like an excess of time. Like I yeah. feel like I feel this responsibility with this time that I have because when you go and you see people who are working from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep and they don't have much. Um, and the other thing that you take away is that they're all smiling and happy and having a great time and they're having festivals at night and uh, and you're like, what am I missing? You know, what, what am I missing? And so I think, yeah, traveling and 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 seeing the world on your bike like 
like delineating it down to the very bare essentials of what you need and then pairing that with the example that you see of like the way other people live mm-hmm. um man it just makes you want to kind of reevaluate your life and say hey how many bikes do i need and am i being a good steward of my time you know for sure and i do think just to piggyback off that quickly like the when you see the you know i'm thinking of the huts that we would see in like far off zambia super rural zambia and it's the people who have the least who are the most happy it sometimes seems right like and the the context of that that i just said is that sometimes most of the time when you complicate things it's actually a lot you're you end up being a lot worse off with the clarity of your mindset and uh just your happiness in general as opposed to keeping things simple right and i think that's one of the beauties of why you and i are very passionate about bike packing and the sense of self-propelled travel because you're keeping things simple you have to you cannot ride around a you know, 200 kilogram loaded bike. It just doesn't work. Right. So less clutter, keep things simple. And I think there's something to be said for, um, sometimes there's measuring, you know, just, um, instead of like gross domestic product, gross domestic happiness. And this is something that, uh, that a author has actually talked about. Um, she's, yeah, she's based out of like Ladakh, India, but like, I love how she put that, this, you know, if we could just have, if we could just measure places of the world that we travel to by gross domestic happiness, right? Like we'd learn quite a lot. Um, and I also think like reading a lot of Thoreau, Emerson, you know, things like that helps, but I think like travel is the ultimate school. It's the ultimate teacher. Um, and it does, it does, um, make you like kind of, bring you head on with a lot of these things that you weren't aware of in normal life, in normal existence until you bring yourself outside of your comfort zone. And you're like, wait, all these people are so happy and their surroundings are very simple. It's like, you start to learn these things as you're traveling, you know, with the Mexico trip and with the El Salvador trip. And, uh, that was a lot of the takeaway of, uh, my cycling the world journey as well. So, yeah. Yeah, man, get out, ride your damn bike, go see some places. And uh, I love what you said. Uh, What did you say? The traveling is the ultimate teacher, seeing the world. You can't get it in a book. You just can't. I mean, you can get it in a book, but you can't really gain that, that your own understanding, your own passion, your own perspective, unless you just go experience it for yourself. And so anyway, again, we could just podcast this until... uh, I have to watch myself, man, because I have a natural curiosity. So um, I can go off on a bunch of different tangents and uh, hopefully, well, I don't hope. I host the podcast. I can invite you back anytime I want and we can talk about whatever we want. So uh, maybe to be continued. But these are the kinds of conversations that I love. It's part of why I'm excited to have you on the team for the perspective that you bring and the talents that you bring. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this year. I could not be more excited uh, with yeah, the the team and the talents that we have and the opportunities that are available. And this is a community that we're all equally passionate about and excited to be a part of. And it feels good to have some people on the team, you know, that are that are going to help carry some of the weight. Because I mean, I don't, I always like hesitate to like, talk about how hard this is, because like, nobody's asked me to do this. Like nobody is telling me I have to host this podcast, I can walk away any time I want. But 
you know, the last five years have been a lot of work and Emily has been uh, a part of the team and she's, she's carried a lot of that with me. And as we look into 2024, I've just, I've never been this excited. I feel like, you know, bikes for death is kind of like after five years, it's, it's kind of like really ingrained itself in the community. It's established itself. And, and now it's like, okay, now what, you know, and Uh I'm ready to level up and I think I can, I think we can, uh, together and I'm looking forward to it. For sure. It's an absolute honor to be a part of the team and I cannot wait. Sky's the limit. Sky is the limit. All right. Bikes for death. Go ride your damn bike, Mackenzie. Or don't, if you even don't have one. Just go outside and enjoy nature. How about that? (laughs) There we go. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Mackenzie. Have a good day. All right. You too. See ya. Bye. What are you recording on over there? Audio engineer, editor, Ben Cranel. What's your setup? This is the uh, MacBook Pro with a USB travel mic. So, Oh, nice. This is the, uh, I'm traveling around the United States and this fits in a backpack setup. It's pretty much just for uh, Zoom calls. That's about it. I don't actually do a ton of recording myself these days. Yeah, I was that was that was going to ask, like, I don't even know if you do much recording on your own. I know that you edit a lot of other people's recordings and audio and stuff. But um, yeah, do you so you used to do more recording? What were you recording? Uh, I used to a lot more like music stuff. So studio kind of stuff. Uh, Played in bands for a long time. That's kind of what I went to college for was audio engineering. I did a ton of studio stuff in my younger days then i toured around with some bands doing live audio like mixing front of house that kind of stuff and then i found podcasting mix wait what mixing front uh front of house uh so that's like the dude out front who's mixing the band oh okay see yeah i'm outside of my uh, area of expertise here i don't even know it i'm throwing all sorts of terms around at you Man, that's crazy, dude. You've been working with me for uh, many years now, and I had no idea. I'm still getting to know you, Ben. You're uh, you're know. like an onion. There's layers to you. Totally. For what, sure. Uh, what, what instrument did you play? Uh, drums. So I played drum set and played drums and jazz band in high school and then was in a bunch of bands in college and still have them. Don't play as much, but still have them. So. Oh, yeah. you don't You don't get them out too often? Uh, since I moved during COVID, I just don't have a great place for them. They're, it turns out they're real annoying to listen to if you're not <laughs> the one playing them. So <laughs> yeah. used to have a basement and live with the band. So it was a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, interesting. Well, uh, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, your, your more nomadic lifestyle. But before I ask you that question... Um, you've been with Bikes for Death, been working with the podcast for so long. I don't even remember um, when you first came on. Do you remember when you first reached out? And and do you remember why? Do Do you remember that far back? Totally, my memory my memory works decently Good. well. Um, <laughs> yeah, so COVID is really what it was. I'd been listening to the show for a long time at my old job. I was working at uh, doing live sound at a production house, kind of. Just normal nine to five stuff, listening to a lot of podcasts and had already been thinking about trying to pivot to working in podcasting in some form or another. I just didn't know what that would look like. But um, the company folded and had a lot of time. So just reached out to you, I believe, 
pretty much right when COVID happened. I think initially you didn't necessarily have anything you needed help with, but then you got a file that was just tons of noise, tons of whatever it was, and you needed help with it. So I sort of cleaned it up a little bit, sent it back to you, and then slowly started kind of working on more and more shows with you until now we're kind of pretty much just all the time doing stuff. So, yeah, man, uh, I probably got a taste of how good it is to actually have help uh, with the editing. And uh, once once I tasted that, I don't think I could ever go back. I've um, you've you've been on holiday uh, with the family for Christmas vacation and all that jazz, which is totally understandable. But I've I've been editing um, the raw audio from this ask me anything question. And when I don't have you, it takes me I don't, I don't even know. 10 times longer, 20 times longer to, to edit it because, um, people always ask me this. So I, l let's tell people what our editing process is. So, because I get this question a lot and I guess people are interested in it. So let's take them behind the scenes. So, you know, when we record an episode, I get the audio file and typically the first thing that I do is I send it over to you. Um, and what do you do with the audio file? So, these days, what we're doing is doing a lot of just cleaning up that audio file, mixing it. You're actually a little different than most people I work with because you actually, for a long time, were editing the show. And so you still still do a good bit of that on as far as content and stuff goes. But I'm pretty much cleaning it up for you. I'm removing a lot of the just background noise that's going on, um, getting things leveled out to where you're not turning your radio up and down as you're listening between speakers. Um, yeah, just generally making it sound better, deleting all the audio from the person that's not speaking when they're not speaking. So you're not getting a lot of background noise, just hums and stuff like that. Um, it's a lot of stuff that you probably will never hear. And that's kind of the point. Right. But you're doing the bulk share of the actual content editing. So, which is kind of a unique setup for me. Normally I do everything, but it works really good for this show specifically. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple reasons for that. Uh, just full disclosure with the audience. Uh, part of that is um, financially, uh, the more I can do, the less money I have to pay other people and I don't have a lot of money. So that's that's one of the factors there. Um, the other factor is, you know, wanting to have the overall creative control on the content that goes out. Another format that you and I have uh, done historically and, and will do again is like, I send it to you and then you do a, a kind of a broad edit. I don't know the right word to say, but I mean, you you kind of take out the obvious stuff in in conversations and we've been working together so long that I trust you. You have a really good feel. Like you said, you've been listening to the podcast for a while. So I think you kind of get what the podcast is. And because of that, you have a good sense of what should stay, what shouldn't stay. And you never are too aggressive with your edits. I mean, if you ever have a question, you leave it in there. And then I always, whether you do some content editing or or not, I always take a final pass at the audio before it goes out to the audience. And that's, you know, that's, and I like our system. I don't, um, yeah. How does it work for you? <laughs> no, I love it. Um, I kind of wish more clients would take that, uh, initiative to kind of be fully invested in their own show you know i mean it's ultimately your voice going out and um, a lot of people i work with just give me carte blanche and 
for all I know, they're not even listening to a final pass before it gets published. So yeah, but this is a lot different. This is more of a passion project for me anyways. I would be listening either way. So pretty much reached out to you because I love the show. Anything I could do to help keep it coming out, basically. I was like, I want to see these episodes continue to come out. So what can I do to help that and to help it sound better in the process? Also, I think the the method that we've been doing lately, you've been doing more video stuff. So maybe getting a little into the weeds, but if I edit anything in the timeline, it will no longer sync for you. So that has a big factor and kind of the method that we've adopted now, but I think it works great. Yeah, that you're right. I, I didn't, I kind of failed to mention that, but that has been kind of a predominant, a more predominant reason why we've uh, gone with the current editing system, because um, I've really put off video for a long time because it, it is a, it is a whole other uh, it's, it's just adding one more thing to edit on top of, uh, lots of stuff to edit. And, uh, I know you can sympathize with, uh, being stuck behind a computer for days and days in closets, uh, you know, behind your computer, just staring at a screen editing, uh, is, is not fun. That's, that's like the dark side of podcasting and content creation. So I've really pushed off uh, video for quite some time. But, um, you know, we talked to Mackenzie on this episode as well. And and her, what she is, she's good in a lot of arenas. What she excels at is at the video editing or the video uh, side of content creation. And so we're doing a, doing a bigger push on video. And, and so, yeah, that's even one more reason why I just, I have to get the raw footage back and and work and then so i get the raw footage back back i sync it with the uh video i remove the video audio and then i add the mic audio um sync that all up and then once it's all synced up then you can edit it from there and that's how you edit a podcast uh in three easy steps totally it's simple <laughs> uh, but uh, you touched on something that I wanted to acknowledge um, that when you reached out, man, you were you were really doing it out of place of love, care for the show, wanting to support it and trying to find a way that you could you could just help. I don't even think you were charging me at the very beginning, were you? No, I, I mean, yeah. I reached out to everybody that I reached out to during COVID. I reached out to a few different people. But yeah, it wasn't about making money. It was about really it was I needed to learn specifically how to do this as far as audio editing goes. I've had a background in audio, but this is pretty niched out. And so I just needed content to work on and to learn the craft. And I figured why not do it with the content that I enjoy listening to and that could hopefully help the show in whatever way I could, you know? Yeah. And gain some skill sets along the way, like you said. And so, hundred percent. To be clear, now Ben uh, does get paid for editing the podcast, and um, you're actually involved with a quite a, a few other podcasts. And you you um, you did the audio for uh, the Divide film, the Lachlan Morton film that just came out. This is something I'm curious about. Like, are you the uh, bike packing editor like how many how many different podcasts and 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 companies are you working with right now in, in this same space so yeah i mean it is a i have found myself in a little bit of a niche in a good way because it's what i'm interested in so started working with you and uh with angus uh morton 
he was the other person I reached out with right out the gate. And I worked with his podcast, uh, Thereabouts Outspoken, which lasted for a little while during the pandemic and it kind of got shelved. But so them um, and then through Gus got hooked up with EF. And so I'm working with their EF Explore podcast. I do all those. And that's kind of how I got into the fold with the Divide film through the EF umbrella and just knowing Gus and kind of doing projects with him since COVID. So been working with them. And then I met a really nice guy during the Arkansas High Country South Loop. The first year I did that, Zachary Gass, who's actually coming to these Texas showdowns. So you'll have to meet him. Um, oh, yeah. And his show, Ope Bikes, which is a newer show, but super interesting. He's a great host, um, really great guest. But yeah, so that, trying to think if there's any others. That's, I'm sure there's someone I'm leaving out that's going to get upset with me. But yeah, I've really niched into that kind of bike packing, biking realm. I do get the majority of my income comes from a company that I got hooked up with. It took a while. At the same time that I reached out to you and Gus, I started just emailing, cold emailing, podcasting production companies. And after almost two years of annoying this guy, like once every three months, he finally set up an interview with me. And they're a company based out of the UK. We all work remotely. Um, there's three other audio editors, and we mainly do branded podcasting for marketing for bigger companies for a lot more like corporate clients. So I'm kind of doing a mixture of I actually have a full time job editing now with kind of more of my passions on the side that supplements everything. But that allows me to be able to make the majority of my income from that and kind of can help out any of the shows that I'm really interested in and just want to work on stuff that I would be happy to work on whether I was getting paid or not. Luckily, at this point, my skills have gotten to where people are paying me to do those. But yeah, like for you, for Gus, for Zach, all those people, like, I probably shouldn't tell you, but I would do it whether you're paying me or not. So I mean, that's just passion, dude. And and the reality is, is like, you deserve to get paid for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I would do this podcast for free, right? Like, totally. even if I had a, a main job, if I went back to real estate, I think I would still do the podcast. It wouldn't be what it is right now. But um, I just love doing it. And I would do it whether there was money coming in or not. And like you, I'm bought into the, you know, to this community, I'm obviously bought into bikepacking. And, and I'm obviously really bought into bikes for death. I tattooed it <laughs> on my arm just to, to prove it to the world that I'm bought in. But, but yeah, so it, you know, nothing wrong with getting paid for, uh, for doing work, but it's, it's your passion. Um, that the fact that you care for what I'm doing, um, it's been uh, ever present since the first time you reached out to me. And it's, it's kind of a shame that you've been in the background for so long and we haven't given you a chance to, or given the audience a chance to, um, know who Ben Crannell is the guy behind the, behind the, behind the microphone, uh, doing the editing and making sure that everything sounds good. And I cannot tell people how much of a pain in the ass it is to like, you you can tell someone, oh, you got to balance the audio and you got to make sure that this mic uh, isn't too soft and this one isn't too loud. And then when wind comes, you got to lower things down. And there's all this like tiny little nuance in, in making sure that the audio is just enjoyable to listen to and that you're not 
picking up on all these things, right? It's like, I'm a, I'm an amateur photographer. I'm, I don't consider myself a photographer, but I am a fucking nut for symmetry in a photograph. Like, um, if, if the image is like tilted a little bit, you know, on the horizontal axis this way, or if it's a little bit off center this way, and I see an image like that, it drives me crazy to a lot of people. They might not perceive that slight you know, how that image is slightly askew, but I think on a subconscious level, they're, they're internalizing it. And that's kind of the difference between what makes, you know, not the only difference, but a difference in making an image pleasing to look at is removing all those slight distractions, distractions that your, your subconscious mind might pick up on. And maybe that's a good way to kind of explain a little bit of like what you do is you're really helping to make the audio not distracting in any way so you can just focus on what the actual content is totally no i think you said said that great it's also uh you do the best you can with the audio that shows up to it's not always going to be perfect but um yeah you do the best you can to minimize that for sure yeah and uh, any poor audio that you hear i can guarantee you is not ben's fault it's it's my fault uh, you know sometimes it's just like you're on a zoom call and the the internet connection is bad and there's not a lot you can do with that but totally. other times i'm in the field or sometimes a mic doesn't get turned on or you know i've had all kinds of things go wrong and and ben's the guy that i'm like fuck 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 uh, Ben, we got an emergency and, uh, yeah, you're, you're usually pulling me out of the fire that I created for myself, uh, sometimes. So, uh, a lot of work behind the, behind the scenes and, uh, me and the audience, uh, definitely appreciates all, all of your work, uh, to help produce this show. Yeah. Thank you. You and the audience have also kind of been along for the ride on my editing journey. So I, I sort of feel bad if you go back from when I first started, I'm sure you can also hear me progress with my skills as you, you can see me learning through like episode 50 on, I'm sure. So I love that though. And it's been, it's something intentional with this, this podcast is that I've never wanted to shy away from being honest about where I'm at because we're all learning. You know what it's, it's like, I don't know. I'm about to hop on with Sofian. He's the number one bike pack racer in the world. And he's grappling with, you know, I'm at the top. What do I do now? Well, until you get to the top and you have to ask yourself those, those questions, um, we're all just learning. We're all just trying to figure out and we're all just trying to get better. I posted a, uh, a video on my personal Instagram account yesterday of me. Like I just got a skateboard for Christmas. I used to be a skateboarder like back in the day. And for some reason at 43, I decided it'd be a good idea to pick it back up again. But I went out to the skate park and I like the heel flip used to be my trick. I could just uh, it was like my bread and butter butter. And so I told my daughter, I was like, I guarantee I can land a heel flip in 10 tries. And it's been 22 years since I've tried it. But I was like, I bet I can do it in 10 tries. Well, I probably tried 100 times. I never I never landed it. But I posted a video of me failing. I, I posted a video of me failing over and over and over and over and over again. But I did that intentionally because like. I really push back against people who only show the polished, the perfect, the, you know, like take me behind the scenes, man. Show me all the times that you failed. Let me see you progress. Let me see you get better at editing or podcasting or, or whatever it is. Let's show, let's show the pro process because like, I don't know, it's, it's like kind of a, 
it's like an adjacent goal of mine to the podcast is is also it's like yeah i want to promote bike pack bike packing and the outdoors but i also want to show people that it's okay to to learn and to grow and to progress and i like the idea of taking people along uh that journey and and you've been a part of it totally well happy to to be along for the ride for sure no shame in that all right let's talk bikes real quick uh let's do it. One thing that I think is great about the Bikes or Death team is that everybody is a cyclist, everybody is a bike packer, uh, and you included. So where do you live? Uh, and I know this is kind of a hard question because you're fairly nomadic, uh, at least you have been. Um, so where where are you stationed at right now? And, and what kind of riding do you do just on like a daily basis? Like what kind of rides get you excited? Yeah, so home base for me is Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I'm currently in Charlottesville, Virginia. We spend a lot of time up here uh, with my partner's family. Um, we're both remote workers, so it makes it easy to kind of float around. We were just in Sedona, Flagstaff for about a week and a half as well. When I reached out to you originally during COVID, that was sort of the start of living out of our travel trailer for about a year. So the remote lifestyle was allowed for us to kind of float around the country. Since then, we've we've kind of been a little more planted since uh, my partner's work has recently shifted to wanting them to come back to the office. So that's slowed that down a little bit. We're working on trying to figure out what to do with that. But Nashville's home. Yeah, the riding that I like to do the most, I'd say I got my start with just mountain biking in general. For a long time, I was just pretty much solely a mountain biker. And so a lot of that is really what I gravitate towards. Um, I don't have any trails right out my front door in Nashville. So my favorite ride in town is pretty much take my, essentially like my gravel bikepacking bike, ride it through town to the single track, ride the single track on that, ride home. So a lot of mixed kind of terrain riding. That's really what I like. I'll do a lot of road stuff in town to get miles and stuff. But really, if, if it were up to me, I'd be on the dirt all the time long gravel days, single track. That's kind of my jam. Yeah. And you've, uh, you've done and attempted some, some big events. You've been out to East Texas showdown. Well, technically you went to the showdown once and then you and I ended up doing an ITT at the same time of the, totally. uh, you did the, you did the showdown route that we were both attempted. Yeah. You completed the showdown route. Um, God, was that 2022? So I came the first year attempted i don't even know what i was attempting we just started and we weren't <laughs> sure if we were going to do the slowdown or the showdown and then we tried to do the showdown ended up not doing the death loop called it we ended up with calling it the slow show uh, so uh, no death loop second year came back uh did the full thing with two buddies uh shout out to cody siever and andrew drury um the tennessee three yeah yeah legendary had a great time that year and then this last year, I made a little clerical error on my calendar and drove all the way to Texas three weeks too early to ride the route, thinking that, I don't know what I was thinking, thinking <laughs> that the race was going to be there when I got there, and it was not. Uh, but it turned out that you were also planning to ride the route as an ITT that weekend, and so pivoted to that. Yeah. yeah. That was, dude, that was so funny, and I can relate to it. I've... I'm a person with dyslexia, and so I I book Airbnbs and hotels for the wrong weekends. Like I show up, and I'm like, 
dude, you're a week off, man. So like, uh, I yeah, mean, this I mean, was kind of my, I mean, for sure my fault. I should know it. I edit the show. I think <laughs> I don't, I don't know what happened. My girlfriend was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Cause she was with me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinsey, uh, her name's Kinsey, right? Yes. Yeah. Now yeah. fiance. So, Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Congratulations. Y'all have a wedding date yet? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next November. So awesome. Got some time to prepare for it. For sure. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, the ITT, your, your, um, accidental ITT worked out great for me. Cause I was just showing up to do a solo ITT and it just so happens that you showed up, uh, at the wrong weekend. And so we, uh, we didn't ride it much together. We were together for like, I don't know, five or eight miles. And then yeah. I never saw you again till the end. And I ended up doing the show slow. Um, cause I did the, the first, 340 miles and then the last 60 miles is a death loop and i was like nope i'm done i've ridden it before i've ridden it many times before and uh i was like i just didn't have it i didn't have it in me i, I wasn't interested so uh that's what happened that time we don't have yeah we're gonna wrap it up i got two more questions cool uh what is what's your favorite bike in your stable right now i think i know the answer to this one but i've been asking everybody um all, all the y'all aren't employees, but y'all work with bikes or death. I don't know what to call all you. the homies, all the homies, the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's for sure. Got to be in my rodeo labs flanimal right now. Yeah. Ever since I got that, I've, I, I ride it even when I should probably ride in a road bike on the pave. I just ride it all the time. It feels so good. I love it. Yeah. Hands down that one. What size tires do you have on it? Uh, currently I have Maxxis 50 Ramblers. Okay. So. Is that a good tire? I haven't ridden that tire before. I love that tire. Um, now, that one has like a pretty low, if I remember correctly, like a low tread. So it would maybe work with the multi-surface riding that you like to do. Is that is that the idea? Totally. Um, and they've just been bomb-proof for me. Yeah, they've just been really reliable. Two times through the Arkansas High Country Loop on that same set of tires, no flats. Yeah, love them, so... I, uh, I've been running Maxxis tires forever. Um, I, in my experience, Maxxis tires across the board are the most durable tire that I've personally ridden. Um, I'm not sponsored by Maxxis, but I would love to be sponsored by Maxxis tires. I've been running like the, uh, the Maxxis icon since, uh, 29, no, 2009, 2009. Uh, I mean, I've been running that tire for a long time and, um, anyway, sponsoring Maxis and yeah. sponsor Ben too. He wants he wants a sponsorship. Yeah, why not? Uh, normalize sponsoring podcast editors. Hundred <laughs> percent. Maybe that could be a new new employee payroll strategy. Is like if I ever get my sponsorships like so big, I'll just start like paying you in tires or I don't know bikes and stuff like yeah yeah yeah. I'm yeah, open yeah. to it. Uh, yeah, I figured that Flanimal is a sweet bike and, um, yeah, th those are great bikes. I, I couldn't imagine you, uh, so that's your favorite bike. Tell us about the, the bike that you used to ride and maybe you still ride it, um, whenever you're doing your adventure racing, but, um, I don't, do you call it racing? What do you call it when you do? Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely conflicted in that world. Cause I'm somewhere between touring and racing. I'm never really, I'm not competitive necessarily. And so I like pushing big days and pushing myself, but in no, no realm am I considering myself a racer. So, yeah, but, uh, you're asking about yeah, like the you, one that, 
It was such a cool bike. Yeah, I, I love uh, you and the Tennessee Three. I think you all showed up on kind of unique bikes. You know, not not the not the rodeo flanimal that everybody knows and everybody yeah, wants. Yeah. And you got to you know sell your car or sell your house to buy one. No offense, rodeo. Uh, they're worth it. Um, but you know, you all showed up on like pretty cool bikes. So what was yours? Yeah, so I was that was a Craigslist special. Um, mm-hmm. Bought that one in town. Um, that was a Soma Double Cross. So it's a it's a cross bike, steel, cantilever brakes. Um, I think I was I was a long time slowly building that thing up. So it had lots of iterations. I think at the East Texas Showdown, I was running bar in shifters with a GRX group, which was kind of a interesting, but also pretty bomb proof setup. Um, yeah which I kind of loved. Feels like you're driving a manual Jeep or something, like <laughs> sweeping the whole cassette in one move. Um, yeah, I think all of us were on rim brakes, maybe. Yeah, and yeah. The rim brake crew. I, I, Andrew Drury, I think, was actually not. But me and Cody were. Cody was on a old Scott mountain bike, 26er, um, with towel rack handlebars. That thing looked crazy. He's yeah. got a longhorn, longhorns on the front of that bike, it looks like. Um, he, yeah, he looked like a man possessed riding through the uh, the trees of e- the forests of East Texas. Like I don't know, it was just the imagery of him on that bike is just uh, is pretty epic. The twenty six inch tires, twenty six mm-hmm. inch wheels with the fattest tire he could put on there, and then the towel rack handlebars. But uh, yeah, the Tennessee three man, y'all definitely left your mark. Uh, I really want I really want you guys to all make it back again one year because uh, we've missed not having you there for sure. Yeah, you hear that, Cody and Andrew? Yeah, get your shit together. Exactly. I know Ben's always down. Ben Ben's an easy yes, man, but we need to get these other guys on the program. Uh, I got to go talk to Sophie on. I'm going to go I'm going to send you this audio file and uh you get to edit this one. Sound good? Sounds good. I'm not even going to listen to it. This one I'm not going to listen to. I'm going right. to it's it's I'm your put some slide whistles and <laughs> You do whatever you want, man. You do whatever you want. One last question for you. We talked about how you're working with a lot of other podcasts, specifically um, many of them in the cycling and bikepacking outdoor space. Uh, Are you open to new clients? Are you taking on uh, more? Are you pretty happy with your workload right now? Because if you want more, tell us how people can reach you or tell them how they can reach you. So I have a pretty full workload currently, but I'm always open to prospective clients. The main thing at this point is I've gotten pickier with if the relationship works, like if we, if I like the show, if we gel together, I'm, I'm totally open to it, but I'm not necessarily just looking for clients for the sake of clients, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm trying to be more intentional about who I work with. Um, because I do spend so much time behind a computer screen. I'd like it to be working on stuff that I resonate with. So totally open to it case-by-case basis but just my email bencrannell at gmail.com um, i'm pretty pretty low-key uh yeah shout at me spam uh spell your spell it's b-e-n obviously but spell crannell yeah. c-r-a-n-n-e-l-l it's like flannel but crannell ah <laughs> that's so good the crannimal the exactly. rodeo crannimal <laughs> the crannimal <laughs> you need to uh man yeah should have rebranded it. Maybe maybe we can get you a sticker to cover up the flannel. Yeah. Anyway. All right, Ben. I appreciate I appreciate everything you do for the podcast, man. You've been 
you haven't just worked with the podcast. You've been a friend of the podcast for a long time. You've been helping out behind the scenes and publicly. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. Um, I couldn't imagine producing this show without you. And yeah, let's let's do it a lot more. Okay. Sounds good, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you too, buddy. Well, enjoy your day and enjoy editing this little segment of the podcast. I'll send it over to you. All right. Insert slide whistle here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See ya. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for meeting the team. I hope I've been fortunate enough to assemble a really rad group of people with interesting and diverse backgrounds and skill sets. And it's exciting to have a amazing team behind me, especially going into this new year with all the big goals that we have. And I hope after listening to this episode, you can see why I'm so excited about 2024 being the biggest year yet. If you enjoy this episode, if you're liking these conversations and you want to help Bikes for Death accomplish some of those goals in 2024, a great way to support the show is on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Bikes for Death. Another great way to support the show is using our affiliate links, which can be found at bikesfordeath.com underneath the stores tab. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Tomorrow, we are going to be back in your podcasting feed with an Ask Me Anything where I answer your questions and I have my girlfriend, Natalie, come on and ask those questions for you and help me host that show. So until tomorrow, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike.